Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. One of the most favourite games I play with my youngest son, Roman, who's five, is the game where I grab him uh, around the hips and I throw him up into the air as high as I can go. And I don't know if you can remember doing that for your own children or if you've got young children right now and you do that with them. And um, Roman, he just loves it. He, he, he laughs, he giggles, he shouts, he screams, he throws his head back and then he falls back down and then I catch him and he says, do it again, Dad, do it again. So I throw him up again and we keep doing that for as long as I can continue to do that and I don't, and I don't lose my strength or my energy. But you know what? There's one interesting thing. He's never once said to me, Dad, don't drop me. He's never once said to me, Dad, make sure I don't fall on my head. He's never once said, Daddy, 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 please, please catch me. He's never, ever said that to me because he trusts me implicitly as his father, as his dad, to do the right thing by him and to catch him. Ever been fully trusting someone or something was going to come or something was or something was going to come through or do exactly what they said they were going to do and you were trusting them, a parent, a friend, a teacher, family member, pastor, a government official and often when we're younger we trust people. But then as we get older we get more cynical about people, the world and the environment around us and our expectations get lower and lower and our trust in people gets less and less. And it's easy to take that sort of cynical nature and that sort of having less trust to take that and to superimpose it over our relationship with God where our trust in Him may be less than it once was. And so it's no wonder that in Matthew 18, chapter 2, Jesus says and reminds us to have child, to be childlike in our trust of God. And just like Roman, who is a child, trust me fully, we're to trust God fully with our lives. And there's a story in the Bible of a young girl who has a childlike trust in God and how her faith that she has, that trust that she has, brings about a mighty miracle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, bless the words that I speak. I thank you that they are words in season. For someone, they're going to speak to someone's situation, someone's life right now. Thank you, God. You are our, you, we are following after you, Jesus. We want to be more like you. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1 today, get straight into it. 2 Kings 5, 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Our story today begins with this man called Naaman, and from the description we understand that he is the commander of the armies of Syria. He is a great man in high favor, a mighty man of valor. He's a man's man living the successful life. And a lot of men would sort of identify with this and want to be like he was. However, there's a couple of things that we find out about him. One that he knows about and another one he doesn't. The first is obvious. He has leprosy. He has this skin disease, this skin condition. It's probably going to end his military career eventually and perhaps 
may even take his life. And I would suggest that it might have caused some uh, embarrassment and awkwardness in the social circles that he was in being a high-ranking government official. The other is this, which may not be so obvious, but the victories that he has had has been because of the Lord. And as a great a man of valor he is, as great uh, a powerful man he is, his greatest victories have not been because of himself, but have actually been because of Lord God. And God has used him as part of a sovereign plan and purpose. Today, I just want to encourage you straight from the get-go and just ask you this question. Are you successful? Do you have great things happening in your life? Do you have a, an amazing marriage, a career that's taking off? Kids that just are, are so uh, obedient and such great children? I want to remind you of this and say this to you. Your success might not be your own, but rather part of God's biggest sovereign plan and purpose for this world. Let me say it again for the people in the back. Your success may not be part, may not be your own, but rather part of God's bigger sovereign plan and purpose for this world. So today, don't be too puffed up in your success. You may, may think it's because you're so amazing, so great, such a powerhouse, when just like Naaman, it's simply God using you as part of a bigger plan and purpose he has for this world. Uh, verses 2 to 5. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. She worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel, and the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send you a letter to the king of Israel. Out of the most unlikely of places comes some hope for Naaman, an Israelite slave girl, the, ser the servant of Naaman's wife. And it's very courageous of her to speak up and to talk about her God and to tell her mistress of the prophet Elisha. I pray that we would be like this servant girl, that we would be courageous in sharing our faith, that we would be courageous to speak to our friends, family, colleagues, strangers, that when we see a need in their life, like she saw in Naaman's life, when we see a need in their life, that we would talk about God because it is God who brings the miracle working power that they need in their lives. It's also quite incredible that she mentions the prophet. Her master Naaman is the commander of the armies of Syria. This scripture says that the armies of Syria would conduct raids into Israel, would invade the land, and they actively engaged, engaged in doing this. And these actions would not have been, uh, these actions would have been under the command of the commander of the armies, and by that, Naaman himself. And because of Naaman's actions, many Israelites had died. And it's quite possible, the scriptures don't say, but it's quite possible that this young girl, her parents had been killed at the hands of the Syrian army in one of these raids that Naaman had authorized. And yet, this is so amazing. Despite all this, her, art, her heart attitude is one of compassion, empathy, and ultimately love towards Naaman. And it's a strong challenge today for us in our own attitudes, our own thoughts towards those who may have hurt or wounded us. See, today we need to know this, that those who do us wrong are still worthy of God's grace for their lives. Jesus says it best in Luke 6, 27, But to you who are listening, I say, 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If anyone takes your cloak, do not withhold your shirt from them. And like this servant girl, maybe today there's someone that you need to love, that you need to do good to, that you need to bless, to pray for, to turn the other cheek. Maybe there's someone in your life who's wounded you, has hurt you, has let you down, has caused you pain. Today, I would ask right now, can, can we just take a moment right in this moment, if that's you, I would ask right now that the Holy Spirit would minister to your heart, would minister to your soul, would bring healing, and that you would be convicted by Him to be able to say, God, I'm going to love this person, do good. I'm going to bless. I'm going to pray for them today. I, I, I just want to ask you right now, right where you are, you, you know who you are. If God speaks to this right now, would you do this? Because I believe that as you do that, as you pray that prayer, as you act like that, you're going to experience freedom from your past and those hurts and wounds that you may carry. Verse 6, And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? To kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Naaman, it's interesting where he heads. Not to the prophet, but he goes to the king of Israel. The servant girl talked about the prophet, and yet Naaman goes to the king of Israel. He assumes that the king would have a close relationship with the prophet of God, that they would be uh, friends, that they would know each other, that they would have a relationship. And I think it's a relation, an assumption that I think is pretty good to make. You would assume that. However, the kings of this time are no longer talking to the prophets of God. They no longer seek the guidance of God's prophets because they don't want to hear the truth. They no longer want to hear from the prophets because the prophets keep calling them out on their sin, keep calling them out to repentance, keep calling them out to turn back to God and to follow him. And maybe today you're in a place where you've heard the story of Jesus and how he died for your sins, but you've never wanted to listen to it. Or maybe today, perhaps you're here and at one time you did hear it. You did listen. You did ask Jesus into your life. But for whatever reason, you've walked away. You've turned your back on him, uh, from him. Today, God wants you to hear his voice. And he's saying to you, I want you to have a relationship with me. God is saying, I want you to experience my power to forgive your past, to set you free from your present and to change your future. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you that opportunity for you to turn your life towards Jesus and to accept him into your heart. I want you to look at the clear contrast between the servant girl and the king of Israel, the faith of the servant girl and the distress of the king. See, she's heard of Elisha. She knows about this prophet. She knows he's a man of God. She knew he was a true prophet of God. She believed in his ability to do miracles in the name of God. And it's possible it's quite possible she's heard the stories of Elisha and the miracles he's done, the miracle of the oil and the, and the, and the woman with the oil, the miracle of the, of the woman who had the, the Shunammite woman with the, with the dead boy and how he raised him from the dead. She's heard these stories, perhaps, whatever it is, she believes in God Almighty and his power to heal her master. The king, however, 
doesn't remember, doesn't know, doesn't even think about Elisha. He has no idea where or who to turn to. He tears his clothes in anguish and in terror because he thinks it's up to him. He thinks that it's, it's in his strength and his ability and his knowledge that he's going to have to heal this man. And, and the king of Israel, no doubt, he probably did have strength and ability and, and knowledge and have those characteristics. But he knows there is no humanly possible way that he's going to be able to heal Naaman's leprosy. Today, and as I was reading through these scriptures to prepare this sermon, and right now as, I, as I'm sharing it with us, church, it just reminds me of myself. And maybe it reminds you of you and how often, how often I look to my own strength and my own abilities and go to my own knowledge when instead I should be looking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I should be looking to God, my Savior. I should be looking to Jesus Christ, my Redeemer, because it is He who will see me through what I am going through. It is through the power of His Holy Spirit in me. Verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. The king eventually figures it out. and uh, No, actually, Elisha says, come to my house. And so he comes and stands at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came in here and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, Elisha. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Men and women out here with you know bad skin are rushing off right now to dip themselves seven times in the River Jordan. Uh, anyway, that's a joke. A couple of quick things I want to, uh, quick thoughts I want to share from this passage today. The first one is this, number one, when you are wanting to be healed by the Lord, don't go to the wrong place. When you're wanting the Lord to intervene, don't go to the wrong place. Naaman doesn't seek the prophet, he seeks the king. And yet the servant girl didn't talk about seeing the king, she talked about seeing the prophet. Naaman sought the counsel, the advice of the wrong person. And we too can often seek the counsel and advice of the wrong person in our lives. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. We need to be sure, church, that we go to the right people who will give us good, godly, biblical counsel, not just people who will tell us the answers that we want to hear. And we need to go to the right place for our spiritual growth or healing. And so when you need a miracle, you need to be going to the Lord, not to the wrong place. Number two. God doesn't do the things the way that we think they should be done. God doesn't do things the way that we think they should be done. It says that Naaman rocks up to Elisha's house with his horses 
and his chariots. And really to me, it, it creates a picture, it, it paints a picture of a, a person arriving in all of the, the pomp and splendor that Naaman is used to being a, a high ranking official, a military commander, uh, favored by the king. And he, he, he rocks up and there's a, there's a certain protocol and decorum in the way he does things and the way that he expects things to be done. And reading between the lines, you get the impression that Naaman hoped that Elisha would appear and put on a show. He'd add some drama, maybe he'd give an eloquent speech, he'd speak amazing words and maybe a, a flourish of movements. And, and just, as, just as Naaman arrived with his horse and chariots, he hoped that Elisha would appear in a similar fashion. To Naaman's surprise, Elisha doesn't appear. He doesn't even come out of his home and, and acknowledge Naaman. He, he doesn't show his face, uh, doesn't say hi, shows no hospitality in inviting him to come aside for a drink or something to eat. He, he barely feigns any interest in Naaman at all. Instead, he sends out his servant to deliver a message to the commander of the armies of Syria on what to do. Church today, some of us want a show, they want a dance, but God's not interested in putting on a show. God's not interested in, in, in entertaining us. See, if he performs a miracle, it's not going to be to entertain us, but to bring glory to himself and to cause people to turn to him. And the New Testament, Jesus performs an amazing miracle when he raises Lazarus from the dead. And he says this in John eleven forty. 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you have sent me. God does his miracles to draw glory to himself and to point people to Jesus Christ. And God's way may not make sense to us, but we should obey him nonetheless. And then thirdly and finally, God's message is often very simple. Say it with me. God's message is often very simple. Naaman could not believe go wash in the Jordan River seven times was the message that he got from Elisha. It was unexpected. It was a little bit weird, let's be honest. It, not only that, it was, it was just way too easy. It was too simple. And his servants say to him, Master, if, if you had been asked to do a great task, a great deed to show your, your physical might or your, or your valor or, your, or anything like this, you would have done it immediately. So why not do this simple thing? And the scriptures say that finally he relents and finally he goes down into the Jordan River and he dips once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times. He's still not healed. And on the seventh time when he rises out of that Jordan River, he is now healed and clean. It's a picture of persistence at staying at, at keeping at what God has called you to do. Naaman's pride and stubbornness almost cost him the healing that God had in store for him. And many people find the message of the gospel too simple. 
They think it must be complex and difficult and hard. They think that they must be good. They think they need to have a checklist of religious acts to perform and to be able to tick them off. They think they have to do good works. It's all about the works that I do in life. If I do enough good works, I might make it to heaven. But this is totally contrary to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and what the Bible says. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In our pride and in our stubbornness, we think that we will tell God how our healing will take place, that we will tell God how our salvation will occur, that we will tell God what the best path for our life is instead of surrendering to God's will and his plans for our life, instead of saying, God, maybe this seems too simple, but God, you have a plan and a sovereign purpose. I am going to surrender my life and to follow you. Today, as I finish up, I just wanna ask these questions. Maybe today you need faith in God like the servant girl, simple, innocent, trusting God like a, child trust their their dad or the mom or perhaps you need to start to be obedient in the simple directions of God like Naaman needed to be maybe for you it's more of an issue of pride and stubbornness and God has asked you today to hand that over to place those things at the foot of his cross or something else maybe something else I didn't speak about but the Holy Spirit spoke to you about something else that God is speaking to you today during this sermon and whatever it is I want to encourage you to listen to God and to follow his voice. I want to encourage you to say in your life, God, I am going to listen for the leading of your Holy Spirit. And I'm not just going to hear, I'm also going to do. I fully believe that the servant girl had a hard attitude to say, God, I want to hear your voice. And she didn't just hear the voice, she was obedient to tell her mistress, to tell her master, about Elisha and I believe today God is speaking to us church he's speaking to you man woman child he's speaking to you in your home he's speaking to you in your car as you listen to this maybe on the podcast he's speaking to you wherever you might be right now today and the question is are you going to be obedient to God are you going to listen to him are you going to be led by his Holy Spirit it may not make sense it may be too simple You may want to go to the wrong place, but God is calling you and saying, hey, come to me. I don't do things how you may think I do them. And it may seem like it's too simple. But if you will come to me and listen to me, you're going to see a great miracle in your lives. You're going to see me move in an amazing way like you never thought possible. You're going to see a great miracle, not just in your life, but in the lives of the people around you. Let's pray. God, today. I just thank you, Jesus, that uh, we're your church. You've called us to follow your son, Jesus. I just pray today that is the heart and attitude.